Right, there we go. It's the top of the hour, 7 p.m. South African time. Hello, 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 and welcome to Filling the Gap right here on Radio Pulpit, your daily companion from Gauteng all the way to Cape Town. Tonight, we're coming to you guys live from our studios in Pretoria, and we are nationwide, so we are saying hello to the people all the way up to Cape Town, and a special shout-out to our international viewers tonight. Our WhatsApp lines are open, and yet again, we've got people like uh, Chris, who sent us a message from uh, Australia. We've got people from Israel tuned in tonight. We've got people as far as the United States tuning in tonight. So we are very, very excited to have you guys with us tonight up until 8 o'clock this evening. We want to invite you guys right now to go to our Facebook page and you'll see our faces on Facebook but I'm sure you don't want to see our faces. You want to see the faces of our guests this evening. So go right to our Facebook page, Radio Pulpit, and uh, you can also go to our WhatsApp lines. All of our social media lines are open and it's all ready for you to be part of this evening's program. So please go to WhatsApp on 0826572729. Let me repeat that number, 0826572729, and you can be a part of this evening's amazing, amazing program. I can't wait just to get this program going. So I think we should hit the road going. This evening I'm going to talk to someone that is a personal hero. Why is she a euro because she keeps my wife busy over December's and um, my wife is listening. She's in bed, very sick, but she said tonight I'll tune in because I will not miss speaking to Francine Rivers. And then, of course, also we've got Simon, who's um, internationally based, but right now in the beautiful Cape Town. I'm jealous. Uh, nevertheless, Pretoria is also a beautiful place. And um, yeah, so I think we should get the show going. And you guys are got to forgive me, but we got to start the show the right way. So, Francine and Simon, before I open the faders on the side and give you guys the mic, please allow me just to do a very short bio on who exactly is our guest this evening. So, ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce to you guys. You guys obviously know who is Francine Rivers, but listen to this. New York Times best-selling author Francine Rivers has published numerous novels, all bestsellers, and she has continued to win both industry acclaimed and reader loyalty around the globe. Her novels has been awarded or nominated for many honors. And in 1997, after winning her third Rita Award for inspirational fiction, Francine Rivers was inducted in the Romance Writers of America Hall of Fame. In 2015, she received the Lifetime Achievement Award from American Christian Fiction Writers. Francine's novels have been translated into over 30 different languages languages and she enjoys the best seller status in many foreign countries she and her husband enjoy spending time with their children and grandchildren ladies and gentlemen without any further ado what an amazing privilege and honor francine rivers good evening francine hi <laughs> how are you? I'm, a, I'm a wife of 52 years and a grandma that's how i <laughs> describe myself and a grandma well that wasn't in the bio otherwise i would have said that i promise <laughs> Yeah. All right, so Francine, just so for interest's sake, behind you there's a stack of books. I can see that. Have you read all of those, or is that your books? Uh, no, I, they're research books. I have a whole section on um, animals and plants and reptiles, and then I have biblical fiction, you know, biblical research, that kind of thing. So it's 
sort of my research library. Well, I just got up off the bat just before we say hello to Simon. I, got, I just want to say thank you to you. Uh, every December, we go away for more than a month. And this December, when we went away, we had very bad weather, very bad weather. So we were stuck indoors for weeks and weeks in a row. And thanks to you, I did not end up with a frustrated wife because she read through all of your books. Thank you, Francine. Uh, well, there's a new one out, The Lady's Mine. <laughs> well, thank you for putting that pressure on me. Uh, my wedding anniversary <laughs> is up shortly. It seems like I go get, I got to go get a new book. I think it's a great gift idea. <laughs> yes, especially if she's not feeling well. It'll give her something to – it's got a lot of humor in it, so it'll give her something to chuckle about. All right, super. We'll do so. And then, of course, you heard the lovely voice there in the background, the sideline commentary. Uh, <laughs> that, of course, being Simon Swad. I just want to introduce you guys to Simon. This is actually amazing. Simon of um, Ntibwa Pictures. Uh, this is a South African-based uh, picturing company, but Simon will tell us a bit, about, a, a bit more about that shortly. Has a diverse experience in all areas of the film production and distribution by virtue of his 25 years as a leading studio executive at Warner Brothers, the Walt Disney Studios, and most recent 20th Century Fox. Um, this is absolutely amazing. I see some of the films that you were involved with, Simon, was I can only imagine in 2018. Simon, good evening, my friend. How are you? Hi, I'm great, thank you. It's good to be here in Cape Town, and I'm, I'm always happy to be on the, uh, the side bill with Francine. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what you guys call it? Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I pay the straight man, and everybody wants to talk to Francine, and that's exactly how it should be. <laughs> There'd be no movie without you, Simon. <laughs> uh, it takes a village for sure. Yes. Well, Simon, you've got a beautiful face for radio. <laughs> Hey, that's my line. <laughs> yeah, well, I stole it from you off air just prior to the show. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Simon, I think just before we get into redeeming love um, and before myself and Rake open up the WhatsApp lines for our guests uh, to join us in the chat this evening, uh, maybe perhaps, Simon, maybe we should just touch base on um, Ntiba Pictures, which is South African based. Maybe just fill us in a bit more on that and your involvement with specific Ntiba Pictures. Sure. So, you know, after after leaving my, my, my last studio gig, um, I really wanted to get into the independent film space. And even when I was at the studio, we tried very hard to push production down to South Africa to really support the, the film industry down here. And it's such an incredibly versatile filming location. And I teamed up with the team at Antiba Pictures and the Talent 10 team, which is a Johannesburg-based company, um, headed by Wayne Fitzjohn and Sipo and Corsi uh, of Sassel oddly enough. Um, and, uh, and it was actually getting involved in Redeeming Love for us as a second project with Intiba Pictures. And just the fact that I, I actually, had, Francine and I had, believe it or not, worked together very uh, likely back in the days when I was a 20th century Fox. And we were a little frustrated because we couldn't actually do the movie exactly the way things needed to be done. And, you know, Cindy Bond was a champion of Redeeming Love for years. It was her goal to make this movie. And Cindy and I had partnered up on I Can Only Imagine as well. And uh, when we heard that DJ Caruso was attached to direct Francine Rivers' masterpiece, Redeeming Love, we were like, oh, yeah, we're coming in. We're going to do this and we're going to do it right. 
you know, we're going to, we're going to set the budget right. We're going to, we're going to really, this is going to be amazing. And it was a critical to us that both Francine and DJ were connected creatively on this because that was the vision we wanted to champion. And honestly, uh, from, from Intiva Pictures point of view, from the get go, um, I remember uh, C4, when we brought the project to C4 and said, we really want to jump in on this one and go. He said, his, his line was, is this good for South Africa? And we were like, C4, it's really good for South Africa. And that's one of his standard lines is he goes, is it good for South Africa? And if we come back and say yes, he goes, then we must do it. And he goes, he goes, the message, good. And so, so Wayne, Wayne's wife knew the book really well. Wayne had actually read the book also. Um, and it's a very strange story for Antiba Pictures. We've been working on a project for nine months uh, before we got the opportunity to come on board with Redeeming Love. And this is kind of a God thing in a way. Um, it was a love story. It was a romance. And it was going to start shooting the first week in February in Puerto Rico. And we worked on this for eight months. And for whatever reason, that deal fell apart. And I was, I was kind of devastated. I've spent eight months working on this project, nine months working on it with Intiva Pictures. And it's like we walked away. It, it wasn't coming together. And three days later, my, fo- my phone rings and it's Cindy Bond uh, saying, hey, it's like, you know, I know you've worked on Redeeming Love. We've spoken about it over the last few years. Um, would you guys be interested in, uh, in coming on and producing it uh, and financing it and, you know, co-financing it with our partners? And it was the exact same budget with the exact same shooting days. And then she was like, and we, we, we're, we're thinking we're going to shoot it in South Africa. We've looked at other locations uh, and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, look, if we shoot it in South Africa, we're going. We can do this. And my partner, Wayne, and C4 got on board immediately. And, you know, we started shooting on exactly the same date as the project we'd walked away from. And that's, that is a God thing with the, with the project we were really excited about. And we were just so, so delighted to be a part of this story. It's a timeless love story. And it's the gospel message wrapped up in a love story. And the key thing for us, and I know you, you've got a lot of questions for Francine, but the key thing for us as producers was to make sure that DJ understood Francine's vision and that Francine was comfortable with how DJ was going to shoot the movie. And most people know this by now, but Francine wrote the script. So, you know, that was just important to us because it's really, it's a challenge taking on a beloved novel and turning it into a 110-page, 115-page script. Mm. You know, what do you keep in? What do you take out? And Francine struggled with that. And, you know, really it was such a brilliant collaboration between her and DJ that for us as producers, we sort of just had to get out of the way uh, and just facilitate the magic that was happening. And consequently, this movie's come out, and it's still controversial, surprisingly, but it's a beautiful movie, and, and we've agonized over every single frame in the movie, and we are just so proud of it. Yeah, yeah well, Simon, I, um, I personally have gone and I've seen the movie more than once already. Um, I'm not a guy to watch repeaters. Uh, it's not for me. I went back for a second time to watch it. I'm, I'm probably off this weekend for a third time. Uh, for me, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. The, 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 the grace, the forgiveness, the, uh, for me, there's so much more to it. Um, and, and I really think that DJ did an amazing job. Uh, this afternoon when I prepared for this evening's, uh, for this evening show, 
I actually read up on DJ Caruso and I read up on his um, on his bio. Um, it is absolutely amazing, God given that this DJ Caruso came on board with Redeeming Love. He's really next level. He's, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he did. Um, he was involved with a triple X uh, with Vin Diesel, uh, the, the Return of Xander Cage. This is a a big time guy who absolutely complimented you guys, and I think you did an amazing job. Yeah, you did. It was definitely a passion project for DJ. It was his wife's favorite book, and I think it was a love letter to them. And Holly was very involved in the development as well. Um, yeah. All right. I was going to say there was one other God moment in it when um, the entire shoot was finished 24 hours ahead of the COVID shutdown. It was like, you know, being on set, it was like you felt the presence of God there with us. It was very. We, we would start every day in prayer. We were watching the pandemic uh, across the globe, and and just uh, we we started implementing our own precautions and watching it day by day. I was trying to get DJ to shoot the final sequence on like Tuesday, and he goes, "No, no, we're going to shoot it on Saturday." I'm going, DJ, how about Wednesday? He goes, "No, no, we're going to do it on Saturday." So, well, how about Thursday? Like, you know, just get that last sequence because that last sequence was shot on Saturday afternoon, March 14th. And on March 15th, at one o'clock in the afternoon, um, the president, Cyril, uh, came on and uh, announced that the country was shutting down. And it was the last country in the world shut down as well. So it was, it was totally a God moment that we actually wrapped at 7.30 on Saturday night before everything shut down. And then we were able to edit everything uh, remotely during the pandemic. And it delayed our release by about a year. Mm. And well, our fans were very patient during that year. Well, God's timing is always perfect, too. We don't always understand why, but we know he's in control. So. Absolutely. Amen. Well, Simon, you just touched on something before we throw it over to uh, Francine, but you touched on something that I was actually very eager about because um, uh, uh, I've had the privilege of also interviewing um, Dallas Jenkins and some of the cast within the context of the, the, the Chosen series. And uh, some of the stuff that, that that's always a question to me, and you touched on it now, was you said that before you would go to the set every day or on set before you start filming, you guys would pray together. Uh, for me, that was a uh, th- that's a vital question within the context of of tonight because um, obviously we we do have some actors and we do have some cast who who's there to play a role and they may not necessarily have the strongest relationship with Christ um, and, and my question to you guys is how did they fit into your faith-based view on set? Um, were they okay with portraying these roles of a Christian background and a Christian uh, character, even though some of them perhaps were not uh, faith-based themselves? Was that challenging on set? Um, and how did you guys go about that? Francine, <laughs> you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Well, my feeling was, you know, right from the beginning, we knew that we were going to be working with not everybody was going to be Christian, obviously. And this book has always been to reach the lost. So I think that even being on set and working with people that don't know Christ, that's the point uh, that you want to meet. You want to reach the crew and the cast as well. There were a number of cast members that were Christians, but um, a few that were not um, said that there was a different feel being on this set. And I think one of the, one of the gals on, uh, there was a crew member said that 
watching it and hearing the story made her want to believe. And I think that was really the, the bottom line reason for making this movie is we want to reach people that don't know Jesus and, and they don't read the Bible. And a movie has tremendous power to do that. Mm. The thing is, it is kind of a love letter to the church, but it's also a love letter to, to the non-churched. And it's an yeah. invitation to know more. And that was really what was important to us. And we had, as Francine said, we had several crew members go, wow, it's like I've never actually heard the gospel preached in this kind of way, in this kind of yeah. story, and I just want to know more. And, and obviously for us, that was just so encouraging. It's, yeah. you know. All right, so before we throw it open to our guest and to some of those questions, Francine, I'd like to throw it back to you. Redeeming Love, I know that you've written multiple books, but could we go back to the initial start of Redeeming Love? Um, why Redeeming Love? What inspired it? What is behind the heart of this book? Well, I didn't become a Christian until my late 30s, and I had written books in the, in the general market, steamy historical romances. And the first thing that happened when I became a Christian is I couldn't write anymore. Just nothing made sense. So I was reading through the Bible, and we had a home Bible study uh, with our pastor, and we went through the Gospels. We were doing different topical studies, and we came to Redeeming Love around the time where I didn't care if I ever wrote again. And I, that story in the book of Hosea just blew me away. And I felt like God was saying, this is the romance I want you to write for the people who have been following your career. Um, so for me, I identified with Gomer because I think I was looking to everything else except God to find my answers. You know, looking, you look to friends, you read books, you do whatever, but you don't ask God to guide you. And that's really what I, I felt like that's being a harlot, you know, turning away. I didn't have any idea how it touched on sex trafficking until uh, readers started writing to me. And that's what really helped me become aware. I think that there were things in the story that there's no way I could have known um, that I think God just revealed to me as I was writing because my background was so totally different. Uh, but it really was my statement of faith. I wasn't sure I was ever going to be writing another book. And then, But then as a new Christian, I had a lot of questions. So it's the questions that really start started the books after that. You know, how do you share your faith with unsaved family and and friends who don't want to hear about Jesus, they don't want to read the Bible. It's the way you live your life. And eventually people ask you. That was sort of the basis of A Voice in the Wind. And then each book after that just became a, a quest and, a, and also a way of drawing closer to God. Because I had to keep reading scripture and immersing myself because I'm looking for God's perspective, not man's. Sure, sure. Powerful, powerful. Well, Francine, you mentioned something, and Simon mentioned it earlier on as well. Both of you mentioned the word that there is some controversy surrounding this specific film right now in the U.S. You mentioned the word sex trafficking. Um, is that the type of controversy that's going around right now? Or what is those onslaughts that you guys are experiencing right now? No, I think I think it's uh, the far left and the far right came together in their criticism <laughs> of the movie. Uh, the uh, general market reviewers, a lot of them didn't like it because of the message. You know, they're not, they're not open to hearing a gospel message, and I think they recognized it for what it was. The far right in the church, I think there were people that were really disturbed by uh, two of the love scenes, primarily. Um, they felt that we stepped over the bounds, but I, we were so careful about what we were portraying. Those scenes were very necessary to the story, so... 
It's, it, it, was amazing. it was amazing to me how so many people were critical of the movie and the book, and they acknowledged that they've neither read nor seen the movie, and yet they're offering such strong opinions. And I think in the secular audience, they had a very hard time understanding why Michael would wait for Angel. Yeah. Uh, in a love story, they're like, oh, we'd be out of here. Like, I don't understand why he's waiting. Um, and then in the faith community, you know, they, they struggled with the, with the controversial scenes, which are not at all controversial. We were very careful. You know, it is, it's a movie that speaks very strongly against the objectification of women, and it shows the price of objectification of women. Um, you know, one of the hardest roles for us to cast was actually the role of Duke that Eric Dane brought to life so brilliantly. But, you know, who wants to play the trafficker, you know, the pimp, the devil, basically? Um, and, you know, it's kind of like real life is a little messy and we just didn't want to, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we were authentic. Um, and as I said, even those two love scenes, they were both so poignant for two very different reasons. It's the first in a, in a generation that's obsessed with sexuality, you know, and it, I, I've always said this funny, it's like in a world where you swipe left and swipe right, if you're interested in someone, and then you figure out if you can have a relationship later right? All the men that Angel had slept with were not Michael. She never actually had made love with anyone. She'd never actually been in love. She'd never experienced that. And we really, we don't, we, we didn't, we deliberately didn't dwell on everything else was implied with all the Johns and all the people, you know, that had taken advantage of her. Um, and Michael was different and he didn't force her or coerce her to anything. She had to make her own choices. Well, and, and he waited, he he waited for her too. That was really important. Uh, she never, I mean, the men that came and bought her were nameless, but she says, Michael, and he's basically waiting for her to love him. He pays for her. He pays for her ransom to get her out. Then he marries her and then he woos her until she loves him. And then that's when the marriage is consummated. It's really the song of Solomon. I think what um, people tend to forget that the Bible is, R-rated, and in some places, X. But we try to make it into a G. This is a PG-13 movie, and nothing shows. But I, what, what surprised me is people tend to lay their own imaginations over what they see. So I, we had hear from somebody that said they're naked, you know, you, but you don't see anything. You see less in this movie than you would if you went to a public swimming pool. <laughs> or your average tv commercial for that matter. yeah yeah that is that is so true francine uh, that's a great way of uh, of putting it um, i'm sitting here in a corner uh basically Dwayne's wingman yeah just making sure i'm keeping him under control with uh, speaking to legends on the on the show uh, but yeah from my side it, it was a great movie and i had the privilege to go and watch it uh, with Dwayne and and with the church that we are in and uh, personally, it really touched me uh, of how our relationship with God should be and that he's yeah. um, unmerited for forgiveness that, that he has for us and that he sees us in a completely different way. Uh, then we can't even see ourselves that way. And if we can see him, if we can see ourselves the way he sees us with without sin, uh, we'll really have a completely different picture of how we can present ourselves as Christians in this world. 
Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've got the privilege to, to know Wayne and Sipo on a, on a personal basis here in South Africa and, and with, uh, I can call them legends as well. The show or the movie can only be a success. And um, I'm really looking forward to see where this movie goes in the, the next couple of months in South Africa with our viewers. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, get back to the, to the questions. Um, what made this the right time to bring this beloved story by millions to life uh, on the big screen? On the big screen, what made this the right time? And and, and not thirty That's years ago, I think, when God. you wrote the book. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That's a good answer. Yeah, you know, it, it's been a thirty-year a thirty-year journey, and you know, we tried to work with other companies, and nobody understood Michael. Uh, and that's basically why I wrote the script. I actually wrote the script to just show a sample of what I was looking for, not expecting that they'd actually buy it. Uh, but Cindy Bond just had a heart for this for this movie, and she kept coming back. Um, so I, you know, why now? I God knows, I don't. But I I think now is the time when people need to hear this message. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I could not have answered that any better because uh, 30 years ago, we had a different agenda and God has a, a different agenda and you just said it more than once. Uh, his timing is absolutely perfect. So here's the ironic yeah. thing. Uh, I've, got, I've got some awesome, awesome friends in faith and some of them have never read the book. And um, we, we watched the movie. We went out as a church. Uh, praise the Lord, we've got an amazing church that says, listen, forget about the nonsense, go watch the grace in this movie. And uh, we watched the movie and afterwards we came out and I was totally silent to uh, uh, where the story touches base with the Bible. And it's amazing how some of them said, listen, this is the story of Hosea. This is the story. And for me, it was so profound knowing that Hosea is part of this. And I actually want to find out the story of Hosea is such a beautiful picture of how God is constantly pursuing us. What led yes. you to write about this specific situation of Hosea? Well, looking back over my life, I think God was pursuing me from the time I was a little girl. But I don't think you see that until you actually accept him and become mm. a Christian. Then you begin to look back and you see how he was always there, always there, reaching out. Uh, and then it all makes sense. So you, you have new vision. You can, you can hear and see things that you missed before. And I think that was true of Angel. You know, Michael was there, steady, faithful, confident. And she just didn't understand until the very end. Yeah, I think for me, the most beautiful thing that stood out um, in this front scene is, and I think Simon touched on it, you touched on it, is um, the world, the far left and the far right, they, they focused more on, uh, on on perhaps the scene where, where they made love. And like you said, there was no, well, nothing showed. But for me, I viewed it differently because I viewed a man that said no for operating outside of God's will. And I think yeah. that is something for me that's profound in this movie because we are struggling. Simon mentioned this, but we are struggling. Years ago, the life orientation classes in South Africa was all about don't have sex and save yourself for the marriage. That message has changed. The message is now have sex, use a condom. Uh, so the message has changed. That is unfortunately yeah. the reality. And for me, the beautiful thing about this movie is I can't wait for my daughter to turn 13. 
Because for me, it was not about the sex scene. It was about Michael that was willing to wait so that things take place within the will of God. And this for me is where ultimate forgiveness kicks in from sin. And if I'm wrong, please point me back to the truth. But but we are so, as human beings, we tend on focusing so much on the past and what people's done wrong. But when Jesus look at us, he sees the future. And that is something yeah. that I saw in Michael. He didn't care with whom she was. He just stood on the promises of God. And he said, you're yeah. going to be my wife, and I'm going to operate within the context of making love to you as a married man. That is how the world should perceive this form, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Definitely. <laughs> well, in her name, her actual name was Sarah, which was a promise to him too. I mean, in the book, you understand a lot of what's happening in their minds, which you can't really put on screen, you have to, um, the actors have to be really good at showing the different nuances of, of emotion going on. But the other thing, uh, one of the comments was that this, this movie could lead people into pornography. And what they miss is that Michael isn't looking at her body when he makes love to her. He's looking into her eyes because he cares about the whole woman. This isn't about possessing her. This is about, a shared experience between the two of them that's blessed by God. And he's, he's very conscious of her and how she's feeling. And she is vulnerable. I mean, she's like a bride in that scene that she's pure and holy in his eyes. Um, So I think it's a message also for people that are drawn to pornography that that's not what this is all about. This is the right way to view a woman. Oh, Francine, uh, sorry, Simon. I, I just think that's so well said, you know, as a father of daughters, you know, the, se- the sexuality question is such an important one, and we need to be having that conversation with our youth. Whatever you decide is to, is to, actually, is to actually be authentic in your conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with, my, with my children, we had those discussions and obviously it's a very awkward conversations. I, I remember when my teenage daughters brought a, a date home and they were going out and I'd go, listen, son, I've been waiting her whole life to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but just talking about that, but I've talked to my girls about just a little bit about how teenage boys would behave. Cause I was one. Um, and just give them as much information as, as you can to, to be responsible. You know, and, and the difference between, yeah, just between sex and love, frankly. And your body is a temple. It is the most sacred part. It is one of the most sacred parts of yourself. It is something that it, it is truly sacred. And I do think that's something we celebrate and we make very clear in the movie. There's a difference between the taking of something and the paying for something and the beauty of actually giving that sacred part of yourself to someone else. And that was the importance of those of the two sort of love scenes, which again I, I I stand by them completely as a filmmaker as being incredibly tasteful. You know, you can project anything you want onto them, but we didn't show anything other than the love. You know, it's it it was not it's not it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. I heard one one critic say this is like you know a Christian adult movie, and that's just not fair. Because it's absolutely not that. There's a, you'll see, it's a PG, it's a PG thirteen movie for a reason. It's for the subject matter, not what we showed or didn't show. 
Ja, Simon, you. Well, I think it's important too for the church, a message to the church that um, I don't know how it is in South Africa, but it, it, here in America, they seem to avoid teaching sex education in the church and we send them into the public schools where they're learning anything goes. And if you get, if you get pregnant, we'll, we'll help you go get an abortion. Uh, and I think the church needs to um, teach the real sacredness of sex within marriage and how beautiful it is and that it's a gift from God um, rather than letting the world train up our children. Uh, Francine, yes, I had a, a big discussion with Dwayne after the first time that I've watched the movie. And as you said earlier, um, it's probably a movie that you should watch a second, third, and even a fourth time because I didn't even see the part where you said he, he, never, he never looked at her body. He only looked into her eyes. And I actually want to go and, and watch that again. I, I saw the whole movie uh, as a personal relationship that I have with God and um, how uh, he... He showed a couple of times, um, he shows a little bit of who God is, and that's what we all experience in our own lives. And uh, when God shows them something about us, um, how we just, uh, again, choose choose the, the worldly side of it. And then God goes a little bit further, and he shows a little bit more of his grace, and still we make mistakes as sinners where we, cho we, we choose the world again. And how the whole yeah. movie just comes together uh, right at the end just to say that God's uh, unmerited love is there for us always and doesn't matter how deep we are into this world and sin. He's, he's always there uh, to, to grab us and to pick us up and to, to take uh, us to his level. Yeah. So yeah. My, my dream for the movie was that people would go and they would take friends with them that don't know Jesus. And then they would go out to coffee afterwards and talk. Mm. And it would open up. Um, opportunities to share the gospel and their own testimonies. And I think that will happen. I think this movie is going to be around for a long time. No, definitely. And that's I what agree. I said earlier. I think it's pretty timeless. And what's very clear to me, as Francine said, is the, the extreme reaction from the left and the right is, mm -hmm. is kind of, it's a wonderful opportunity to have a conversation. Yeah. Well, it was always meant for the Lord. I mean, the, the Redeeming Love book, and the movie is really, it belongs to him. And I think because of that, he'll use it in ways that we can't even imagine yet. Francine, so there's, uh, there's always book lovers, people that read books, uh, but they don't necessarily want to go and watch the movie because they say the movie is not going to be as, as good as the book. So here's a question. What would you say to those who are skeptical about the film because they love the book so much? Everything you loved about the book is in the movie. <laughs> all the all the major scenes are in there. Uh, it's a different medium, and they're they're not in the same order. But there there's one scene in there um, that DJ put together, and it's where she's wearing the red dress and she goes up onto the stage. And every time I've watched that scene, it's given me goosebumps. I just think it's a brilliant scene that he did. So I think there will be some. Wonderful surprises for people that have read the book and they're, they're going um, and wanting to see the book. There will be a few differences, but it will be wonderful. 
Right, so Francine and Simon, both of you guys, I, I need your input on both of this because when I, when I prepared for this interview this evening, I actually went through the cast and it's really a starstruck lineup of cast members. Yeah, I, I mean, we've got people that was in Triple uh, uh, X, uh, people as far as uh, Taken. Uh, we've got Grace Anatomy in the house. Uh, there's international big, big, big names. I need both of you to talk me through uh, the casting of this movie. Um, I know, uh, Francine, I saw something... Um, I can't remember where, but I saw you somewhere. I think it was on telly where you said that um, it was challenging finding Michael, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yes. so, so please tell me about the cast and why you guys chose them. Go for it. Well, um, I was able to watch the auditions, which was amazing. We knew right away with Abigail Cohen, she pursued the role. I think she wrote an, an essay to DJ of why she wanted to play the part. Um, and so we knew right away ex- just an extremely talented actress and she looked like Angel. Michael, it seemed like there were there were no American actors who could pull off innocent. <laughs> and we needed somebody that could could play that purity side. Uh, and we just weren't finding it. DJ actually discovered uh, Tom Lewis and contacted him and then flew to London uh, to do the the audition there. And Tom had already read the book, I think, twice before he did the audition. So he understood the role that he was going to be playing. Um, but he just has a way of showing all the different nuances of, of emotion um, in his expressions and his body language. And uh, he was just an incredibly talented young man, the right, the right one for Michael. Yeah, and Eric Dane, I think, pulls off. Satan very well. He asked if he could use an Irish accent because I, I think he wanted to kind of keep himself a little bit removed from that part. Uh, that that you'd have to be a brave actor to take that on because it's. Well, I think I no. think you did an amazing and amazing job, Simon. You sort of use something on this. It was fantastic to see. Um, yeah, Tom Lewis was a great find. We were blessed with. It was the perfect cast. I mean, even our, you can see the production design too, our production designer, our cinematographer, uh, even the soundtrack and the scoring. We had Brian Tyler, who did the Iron Man movies, doing the score. Um, you know, with that amazing Lauren Daigle song at the end. I mean, DJ Caruso really put together the dream team. And it was just amazing to me seeing the cast on set raise each other's game. You talked about their, their faith levels and their beliefs, which were varying and different. But when they got into character, the way they raised everybody's each other's game and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until they got the emotion that they wanted to get. There were some incredibly emotionally draining days. Um, You know, Logan Marshall Green, who plays Paul, who's sort of almost another villain who has a conversion story within the story, was just brilliant in bringing Paul to life. you know, and just seeing their generosity towards each other from Funka and uh, Nina Dobrev uh, playing May was just, it just, just the performances were just amazing. They really, they really were the right people to bring these characters to life. So, yeah. but how did you guys go about your South African cast? Because um, I know one of the very well-known South African singers, artists, I think in the end married Paul, if I'm not mistaken, in the movie. Uh, it's a South African girl because um, Francine, I'm um, off off air uh, prior to to talking to you guys. I asked Simon, where is the next audition for the next movie? Because I would like to come an audition. I, I think I'll do a pretty good role <laughs> as a treat. <laughs> We we always have roles for background actors, Dwayne. 
<laughs> I can't believe it. You've never seen me audition yet. You can't say that. I might just blow your mind. Maybe, maybe there's a. I, I mean, one of the books that my wife is reading now is of this gladiator um, uh, of Francine Rivers. I mean, come on, I can do that, man. I was a rugby player. <laughs> I was going to say, even those the background players, the extras, were, just were amazing because I. You know they they all they were incredible how they yeah, you know such looks. yeah there's something going on in that group shot we we had such unique looks in the in the group shots and then we had uh, Brandon Arrett. Um now I'm going to get into trouble because I won't name all of our South African cast but <laughs> wow it's like the 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 depth the depth of the South African cast they more than held their own I mean and that that was really powerful for me to see. How, how amazing our South African cast held their own. Um, you know, Tanya van Kron. See, I'm trying to get out of trouble now, so I'm thinking <laughs> uh, Milton, Milton Shaw. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we were delighted with the South African cast that we had. And, you know, that, that is part of the Antiba model, is to match up South African talent with international talent uh, as much as possible because we really want to showcase the local, the local teams. Millions, millions of people have read this book uh, over the last couple of years. Um, did you guys feel any additional pressure writing the script uh, for the movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> for one thing, I didn't know how to write a script. I got a bunch of books on how to do it and then loaded um, final draft onto my computer. And I, but I love movies. So I just thought, well, I'm going to take a shot at it to try to show what I'm looking for. So it, it's sort of miraculous that they even decided to use it, but it, it was fun. But I, I'm not sure that I would, I would do that again. <laughs> well, no. just, just for me, satisfying the fans was the one thing that I, I was really worried about. And it was making sure that the core fans of the book and Francine's fans were that we met their met or exceeded their expectations. And despite the controversy, Honestly, that, that's the response that's delighted me the most is that the fans are scoring this in 95, 98% range, you know, when they, when they see it. And I, that, that, that to me is incredibly encouraging, gratifying. Um, you know, it, 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 it is a God thing. And when the fans come out and say, yep, this is my favorite book and you nailed it, um, you know, for, all, for the entire production team, I can tell you that's probably the, the, the best praise that you can get. Well, Francine, it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of years writing books. Uh, when will Francine Rivers go into retirement? Because there's a new book. Are you done now or is there more planned? I, you know, I'm thinking about another story, but uh, <laughs> I have another question. So I'll be working on that question. Um, I'm not going to tell you the question because people might think it's connected to the Redeeming Love Project, and it's not. So, um, But when God tells me to quit, it'll probably be, okay, you're done as a writer. Now you have to do something else because Christians don't retire. No. Sure. We always have work. God always gives us an assignment. That is that is probably one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard. It, it actually carries weight. Christians never retire. That's powerful. Preach it, Francine. Preach it. 
Well, we can just open up the mic and say there's 16 minutes left, Francine Rivers. Go for it. But we can't. We've got some questions left. Francine, just, just before just before Rake asks the next question, can I please ask you a favor if you don't mind? Okay. Can you pronounce the words Anri van Rensburg? No. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's try it the English version. Can you pronounce Anri van Rensburg? Henri Rensburg. <laughs> All right, so my, <laughs> my wife's name is Henri, and I told Henry. her that you are going to give her a special shout-out tonight. Please give Henri a special shout-out. Oh, Henri, I wish I could meet you in person. If I come back to South Africa, I hope I can, but I hope you get well soon. And I hope your husband will buy you the lady's mine. <laughs> well thank you no pressure on that I'll have to now but I'm going to take you up on that one when you're back in South Africa we don't have to do this over Zoom you can sit here right next to me in the studio and we can do this properly next time that'd be great like, Francine you said something earlier in the show that really touched me um, and you said you, you're asking questions and um, mm -hmm. I've learned a couple of years ago if you ask the right questions it will really bring meaning to life and uh, I think over the last couple of years since you, you wrote the, this book, Redeeming Love, and for, for the listeners that just tuned in, uh, we're speaking to Francine Rivers and, and, and Simon Swart about the movie Redeeming Love. Um, you really touch some lives, and uh, you, you're on the right track, and just keep on going. I'm sure there's many, many, many more to come. Um, next question that, that we have is, how do you hope the, the audiences will respond to the story? I, you know, I really hope that people will see that fiction is really meant to be a tool. It's meant to be a bridge to the real thing. So I'm hoping that people will use it as a way to open conversations about faith and who Jesus is and why, you know, he's the whole purpose of our being alive. All right. So Francine, initially, uh, I'm not a guy for chick flicks. And uh, initially, I didn't want to go watch this movie with my wife. But I'm a great fan of a show on Discovery Channel called Gold Rush. All right. So the way that my wife went about this was <laughs> she said, this is not a chick flick. It's about a gold rush. So she got me hooked. And the film is set in the Western U.S. during the gold rush. But there's another huge show right now, 1883, that has captured the attention of audiences worldwide. What similarities do you see between the two projects? Um, I don't know because I haven't seen 1883. I, is that the prequel for Yellowstone? Yeah, I haven't got a clue. Simon, can you help us on that one? I believe it's the spin-off from Yellowstone, and I do think okay. there's, there is a fascination with that time period and era yeah. because it is kind of timeless, but it is, it, it is very versatile in terms of having modern elements as well set in, uh, in pre-technology, shall we say pre-digital technology age where it's about life and it's about the human experience. So, I mean, you're, I'm probably describing just about every Western out there, but if you look at the, the amazing impact of Yellowstone in 1883, it's really human stories being told against the backdrop of incredibly dramatic events. Dwayne, if I can add to your question about what we want audiences to come away from, Honestly, when they see redeeming love, it's to actually experience hope. Absolutely. And that whatever people are going through in their lives, whether they're Paul or Angel or whoever they identify with, is that you realize that there is always hope. 
Where there is life, there is hope. Where there is Christ, there is hope. And that is the resounding message through that entire story. No matter how bad life is, no matter how bad things have gotten, when you see that final sequence and everything seems lost, is that there is hope. And, and, and God, God, fulfills, God will always fulfill the promises that he puts in your heart. Mm. You just might not know when, but he will. Well, and not to define yourself by your past either, to define yourself by how God sees you sure. can make all the difference. Well, well, women have women have been a fan of of the patient and kind character of Michael, um, who just loves Angel unconditionally, despite her failure to love herself. Could you perhaps describe why you think audiences might find that um, as resistible as the novel readers have? What is it about Michael that just that just draws people to him? I think that he loves her for who she is and where she is, but he knows that he knows what she can become. He sees potential in her and we all have potential. Um, and I think too, that the, you know, the only place you can find the kind of love that Michael gives to angel is through, is through Christ. So I, you know, I used to give the reason I wrote it too was for the people that had followed my career in the general market. And I would get letters from them. And they say, I wish, I just wish I could meet a Michael Hosea. And I could write back and say, you can. And his name is Jesus, because Hosea is an allegory about God's love for his people. Um, and that's, that's where you're going to find truly unconditional, everlasting love. And that's what is being described in that, in that story. Well, Francine, maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps you've you've written this somewhere. I've not I've not written or read all your books, but what is what is the story behind um, Francine Rivers, and what was it what called you to Jesus, and why Jesus? Just out of interest, like. Oh well, I was raised in the church, but you can you can grow up in the church and sit in the pew and not be a Christian. <laughs> um, I'm a child of the '60s too, so you know. I made my mistakes and, and messed up. Rick and I uh, have known each other since fifth grade. We got married a year after he came back from Vietnam. And we kind of brought enough baggage into our marriage to sink a ship. Um, and I think we were getting close to getting a divorce when we moved to Sebastopol. Rick had started a family business. And, um, you know, all these outward changes that we were making we moved into this little rental house and an eight year old boy from next door came over and invited us to church. And a few weeks later, I thought I was just desperate enough to try anything, even church again, and stepped into that church. They were teaching expository from scripture, you know, chapter one in Ephesians verse one, what's the <laughs> historical context? What does the scripture say? How does it pertain to us today? What does it mean? Uh, and I felt like I'd come home. And it just, it changed everything. Um, so I couldn't get Rick to church. So I asked the pastor if he had started Bible study. And he said, sure, if you can't, if you can't get your husband to church, then you bring the church to your husband. Um, and we were baptized together in May of 1986. And it, of course, you know, everything changes. Your life doesn't always settle down when you become a Christian because God will be bringing things up for you to deal with as, you, as you're able and it just started a revolution from inside out. And the first thing that changed was giving up writing, which had become an idol in my life, and then 
learning that he is my one and only. Um, and then three years later, surprise, he says, I want you to start writing again. And here's what I want you to write. And that was Redeeming Love. Sure. Well, Simon, when, when, when they told me that I'm going to chat to you tonight, uh, initially I got this uh, this knob in my throat because I, I read your bio, and your bio no, nowhere writes anything about your spiritual stance or your Christianity or what faith you are, but your bio just wrote about your involvement in uh, in, 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 in Hollywood and in uh, Walt Disney and in all of those things. And then when we spoke all of ages before the show, um, I realized that, Simon, yourself, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I heard that. I heard you're a Christian. Uh, just, just a question. How tough is it to remain solid and sane in, in the industry? Because I know this industry isn't necessarily uh, spiritually Christian-driven. Are you there, Simon? Um, you know, honestly, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go for I can it. Hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Sorry, I got dropped off. I have a base camp that got broken down around me and they just unplugged everything. So I'm now only on audio, which is fine because as we said earlier, I've got a face for radio. Um, <laughs> and everybody wants to see Francine anyway, so it's awesome. But, but honestly, um, it's been, it's been for me, it's been a fairly privileged career. I think I, I've been blessed to work with some of the most amazing creatives in the world. And, uh, you know, obviously they're not they're not all all they're all faiths are represented. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten to learn from some of the best, the best in the industry. So that's a complete God thing. I could never have, I could have never anticipated that path for my life. Uh, you know, as a, a, as a young man growing up in South Africa and now an, an older chap, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I've, I, I honestly, it's been a blessing and it is, you asked why the movie hadn't been made earlier, etc. And Francine said it exactly right. It's God's timing. And all these things have to come together at exactly the right time to, to make it. And, and I've been privileged to be a part of that. Uh, thanks, Simon. And uh, Francine, just from my side, because we're almost getting to the end of the show, I just want to, to thank you for, for being a vessel. And you definitely honoring your, your surname, uh, you and Rick being a, uh, uh, your surname rivers you definitely rivers of living water to the world and uh, thank you for blessing us and with blessing us with your time for the last hour thank you it's been a pleasure Francine, I just want to say this. I'm going to take you up on that one. The next time you are in South Africa, we're going to have our cup of coffee and I'm going to introduce you to my wife and maybe you can sit next to me then and then we can chat about some of your other books. So I'm going to take you up on that one, right? All right. All right, well, I, I really hope so too, especially if there's an audition somewhere for South African people to go and audition. I'll be there. <laughs> right, Simon, I don't know if you guys can hear us. It seems like we've got some internet issues going now. But Simon, I just want to, from Radio Pulpit all the way from Gauteng to the Cape, I want to say thank you to both of you guys. You are just absolute, absolute legends. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom of God. Um, so, Simon, we're going to stay in contact. We've got each other's digits. Uh, we're going to stay in contact. Any other pro pro projects, let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep the Church of Christ informed. My people will perish due to lack of knowledge. So if there's anything in the movie industry, please touch base with me so we can put this on national radio. I, I look forward to it. Uh, thank you. From from the team at Antiba Pictures, we're grateful for everything that you guys are doing. So thank you. 
Thank you very much, Simon. And then, of course, last one, Francine Rivers. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. This is like a dream come true. You are such an inspiration. Thank you very much for what you mean to so much people around the world. And keep it up. That's all I'm going to say. Keep it up. Thank you. Well, and blessings to South Africa. We love being there. You must come so we can do a Boerewors braai. You must come do a braai. Not a barbecue, a braai. Okay. <laughs> All right. We, well, we, we, did, we, we, did try and ex- we did try and expose her to as much of that as possible. <laughs> well, Simon, we, 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 we'll, have to, we'll have to do one better. Next time when she's in here, we've got to do something. But anyway, guys, on behalf of me, Dwayne, Francine Rivers, and Raik Exdian, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend this evening with you guys. We are going to say goodbye to you right now. And um, yeah, please stay tuned next week, same time, same place, with myself and Reverend Paul Coupe all the way from Egypt. So um, yeah, blessings. And we would like to play out with this awesome, awesome track that you can hear in the movie the track is called Rescue from Lauren Daigle so Francine and Simon blessings and goodbye thank you bye guys thank you so much bye